Welcome to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. Today, we are introducing a brand new ongoing series of our own, Starting Points. Thanks for joining me. My name is Alan, and I'm the owner of Coffee and Heroes, Northern Ireland's largest independent comic store. So the idea behind this podcast is to make it as accessible as possible for anyone new to comics to find a starting point. There are literally thousands of single issues, hundreds of graphic novels for any one character. And if you're just starting out, it can be very daunting. I mean, I've had this in the store a few times. People walk in, see the sheer volume of content available, and they just won't know where to start. So that's where this podcast comes in. We're going to focus podcasts on individual characters, tell you where to start. Just to be clear, these are not necessarily our favorite stories featuring these characters, just ideal introductions for people who are not familiar with those characters. Anyone who's listened to this podcast before knows that I tend to be more Mr. DC, so I'm going to be focusing primarily on the DC characters in the comic book medium. Keith, who you are hopefully familiar with, Keith is our resident Mr. Marvel, so he's going to focus on the Marvel side of things. And then we have Roddy as well, who obviously loves indie books, has a real great in-depth knowledge for independent publishing, so therefore he's going to focus on the indie side. Now we may mix it up from time to time, you know, there are certain characters within Marvel that I'm a fan of, I'd certainly give starting points for, certain indie titles I like, but for now I'm just going to focus on the, the DC side of things. So with that in mind, uh, let's get on with the show. I want everyone to be able to start off with the same base knowledge. Some of these terms I'm about to use may be overly familiar to long-time readers or collectors, but I'm just going to throw a few definitions out there, just in case this is uh, one of the first podcasts you're listening to, or this is something that you're looking to get into. So comics these days, they tend to come in a couple of different ways. So there are single issues, there are graphic novels. Single issues and graphic novels, for me to explain the difference between them, I tend to use the terminology of television. A single issue is akin to an episode of a TV show. A graphic novel is the box set of that. So while you may read issues one to six of something, six individual issues, which will give you a complete story arc, the graphic novel will take those six issues, condense them together into one book, and release that as a graphic novel. Graphic novels themselves, they tend to come out themselves in a couple of different ways. So you've got what are called trade paperbacks, which are your sort of thin cardboard um, front covers and back covers. They're quite sturdy. But a step up from that, there are hardcover collections. Those tend to be much more durable, a little bit more premium. Usually they're a little bit bigger in size as well. They've blown the artwork up slightly. There's also deluxe editions, which I'll be coming on to with, with one of the choices today, which sometimes incorporate a couple of trade paperbacks into one, make it a bit longer. Again, it'll come with the, that sort of thick front cover, very protective cover. Uh, and then there's also what are called absolute editions. I tend to get the mick taken out of me a little bit in the store because I talk about absolute editions. Absolutes tend to be exclusive to DC. And what they are, are blown up versions of the comics themselves. So whereas a standard comic uh, size is akin almost to an A4 piece of paper, uh, what they do with Absolute Editions is they blow the artwork up. So the editions themselves are maybe a couple of inches taller and a couple of inches wider than a traditional comic would be. They're printed on premium paper. They are given beautiful new artwork, usually new covers. They come in hard slip cases. They are very much sort of the creme de la creme of the graphic novels. They are more expensive, but I always say that if you buy an absolute edition, you'll never need to buy another edition again. This is 
obviously relevant to today's podcast because there is one of these titles I will be discussing that I must have bought in about three or four different ways. I have the single issues of them. I've bought trade paperbacks. I, then a nice anniversary edition has come out. I've bought that. But now I have absolute editions, so I'm telling myself to stop actually buying them at this point. So the character I'm going to focus on, first of all, for this is Batman. So Batman, Bruce Wayne, Gotham City, Alfred, Batmobile, Joker, Two-Face. People are familiar with a lot of um, the facets of the Batman character. They may have had exposure through the TV shows. They may have had, uh, which was the animated series. You have Batman 66 as well. They may have had their exposure through the movies, through Batman 89 with Tim Burton and Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson. It may have been through the Christopher Nolan movies with Christian Bale, Heath Ledger. It may even be through uh, Batman v Superman with the Zack Snyder side of the universe as well. Everyone's got some sort of exposure to Batman. I, I would argue that Batman, along with Superman and Spider-Man, is part of the sort of three most recognizable superheroes in the world. You know, Batman's everywhere from merchandising to t-shirts to pajamas to socks to posters. And it's the one character that certainly in the movies they've reinvented with new actors playing the role. And Batman's a very versatile character. You know, you can have the sort of campy fun spirit of the 60s TV show, but you can also have the overt dark seriousness of something like Batman v Superman. So... These are my three picks for anyone wanting to get into the world of Gotham City through the comic books. So, I'm going to kick off with Batman Year One. Batman Year One was written by Frank Miller, art by David Mazzuchelli. It's coloured by Richmond Lewis and lettered by Todd Klein. Year One for me is possibly the definitive retelling of the origin story of the world's greatest detective. It originally appeared in issues uh, 404 to 407 of Batman Volume 1. This was released in 1987. Not only does it follow an adult Bruce Wayne upon his return to uh, Gotham after 12 years away, but it also follows Lieutenant James Gordon recently, who has been transferred in from Chicago. Bruce has come back to Gotham with a mission. He's been away all this time. Everyone's speculated where he is. He's ran away. He's dead. But Bruce comes back and he's still one of the most recognisable people in Gotham because his parents, who they were, what they did for the city and Bruce Wayne's return is big news. But during his time away, he's actually been training in numerous uh, fields and disciplines, including martial arts, hand-to-hand combat, man-hunting and science. He's determined to make a difference in the city that his family built, you know, and he takes his time. You know, when he first comes back, he doesn't just jump straight into being Batman. He takes his time, takes a very slow, sort of methodical approach. You know, Frank Miller, he he utilizes from the start a really good device, which is stating the date every few panels or after every set piece or scene. You know, he's showing that Bruce didn't just come back to Gotham and start being Batman. He had to take his time, be methodical, utilize reconnaissance, you know, see how Gotham operates at this point. You know, it's there are several examples of this throughout it, but you know, he consistently goes like, I'm not ready, I feel like I've trained for this, but there's something just missing, and this and that. You know, it's great at showing his mindset. Parallel to that story, we have James Gordon, who has teamed up with the corrupt detective Flass. Gordon's arrived just off the train, he's coming in on the train thinking that Gotham's going to be a cesspit, it's going to be corrupt, it's going to be dirty, it's he's not looking forward to this assignment. And in the beginning, he doesn't try to change anything. You know, Gordon is is a good cop through and through, a man of integrity. 
but he steps back at the start he just watches he sees how the corrupt cops operate in terms of assaulting kids on the street or taking bribes or this kind of thing he sort of is learning how it all works he will also have to be patient Bruce's first foray into the wrong side of Gotham, it's riddled with disaster, mistakes, and experience. He goes in really cocky, you know, at one point he even thinks, I'm provoking him, I really shouldn't. He can't help himself. By this point, he's been back in Gotham two months, and he's even shot at this point by uh, a cop. It's uh, a shoulder wound, so it is, and then he's bleeding out, and he's hauled into the back of the, uh, hauled into the, back of the cop car. And even though he must force them to crash the car so he can escape, you know, the car's up overturned, he's broken out of his handcuffs, and the car's on fire, and the two cops are unconscious. But even though it is on fire, he manages to drag the cops away from danger. Already his moral compass is resolute, you know, he's calm in the face of danger. He may have made mistakes this night, but he's also learning. Meanwhile, Gordon, he's... On the same night as Bruce's trip into the East End of Gotham, you know, Gordon has jumped by Flass and his goons. You know, they, they can't accept that this new guy has come in and doesn't want to take their bribes, doesn't want to be one of the boys. So they give him a real solid beating and he's told that this is a warning and that he may fall into line if he wants to survive being a cop in Gotham. Gordon wastes no time in his response, you know, he doesn't want to go home to Barbara, his wife, you know, he doesn't want her to see him like this, beaten and bloody and, you know, black eye and bruising and all the rest. So, you know, Gordon wastes no time in his response. He he waits outside this uh, cop's house where all the corrupt cops are all together and they're playing poker and they're gambling and they all leave one by one. And of course, Flass is the last to leave. So Gordon follows him in his car and ends up running him off the road and pulls his gun on him but then he ends up throwing the gun away and he even throws Flass a uh, baseball bat to sort of even the odds so to speak you know Flass has just come from a night of drinking and you know maybe he's not at his fastest and uh, Gordon basically beats the crap out of him you know it's there's great narration here so there is you know I show him my gun he says my name and drops his he's big Green Beret training. It's been 15 years since I had to take out a Green Beret. Even so, he deserves a handicap. I don't crack his skull. I don't crush his larynx. I don't break his ribs or punch my head through his chest. I do just enough to keep him out of the hospital. You know, he even thinks at this point, you know, thanks Flash, you've shown me what it takes to be a cop in uh, Gotham City. So the first issue of the four issues that make up this story, you know, it comes to an end with uh, Bruce. This is, after all, Bruce's story. You know, he's arrived back at his house. He's crashed the car into another one. You know, he's sort of talking to his father almost in his mind. You know, his father, I'm afraid I may have to die tonight. I've tried to be patient. I've tried to wait. Hi, father, how do I do it? How do I make them afraid? You know, it flashes back. You see the well-worn tale of the Waynes and... You know, them being shot after taking Bruce to the opera, or to Zorro, sorry. And, uh, you know, he, he talks about how, you know, this this would prove to be the defining night of his young life. You know, the night when, quote, all sense left my life. And then the last page of issue one is, without warning, it comes crashing through the window of your study and mine. I have seen it before somewhere. It frightened me as a boy. Frightened me. Yes, father, I shall become a bat. And that's just issue one. You know, this, this for me, this is the pinnacle of Batman in any medium. 
You know, there there's no there's no coincidence that Christopher Nolan borrowed heavily from this for Batman Begins. You know, Bruce being away, Bruce training while he was away, coming back to Gotham, having a mission, one to turn, you know, his fear on those who prey on the fearful. Uh you know, this is simply a well-trained, intelligent man of resources who is trying to bring reason and peace to the city. You know, it's dark, it's pulpy, it's violent. And Bruce is a flawed figure all the way through, but he's determined to better himself in every way possible. You know, it's it's about the transformation from man to myth, how Batman will become a creature of the night, you know, who will strike fear into the Gotham underworld. It explores in depth what makes both Batman and Gordon tick and how that friendship came to be. How they're both fighting for the same peace in the city in their own ways. Frank Miller's writing has never been better. You know, there's there's Batman Year One and then it, there's Batman The Dark Knight Returns. Miller always said that if you're writing Batman, you should write Batman at the beginning of his career and Batman at the end of his career. Now, Dark Knight Returns is a masterpiece, but it's not one that I would recommend as a starting point. It's big, it's dense, it's heavy, it's an older Batman, it's, it's a slightly unfamiliar world and... I think you only get so much from The Dark Knight Returns if you start at the beginning and therefore with year one. Quite simply, Miller's writing's never been better. Mazzuchelli's art is superlative. Quite simply put, it is a masterpiece. Batman Year One, it's available in single issues. Uh, you might pay a little bit more from them because they're sort of seen as key issues now. Uh, but they're also available in collected editions, so trade paperbacks, hardcovers, and best of all, for me anyway, the Absolute Edition which has recently been added to my own personal collection. So that's number one. So that's Batman Year One. So if I had to offer an alternative for a starting point for Batman, it would be Batman The Court of Owls. This is written by Scott Schneider. Art is by Greg Capullo. This is inked by Jonathan Glapian and colours by FCO Placentia. And so to the New 52. So... This is where things can get a bit complicated in comics, you know, there, there's always different timelines and different continuities and all this kind of stuff, and, and again, it can be a little bit intimidating if you're new to it. What the New 52 was, the New 52 was a 2011 revamp and relaunch by DC of its entire line of ongoing superhero comics. There was a five-issue storyline called Flashpoint, which was all about, you know, if anyone's seen the Flash TV show, they may be familiar with that term, but Flashpoint, what it was essentially about was Barry was able to run back in time and save his mother, but in doing so, he changed the timeline so different events occurred. So, for example, in Flashpoint, it's Bruce who dies in, uh, in the alleyway. He's shot, and Thomas Wayne ends up becoming Batman out of grief, and Martha Wayne ends up becoming the Joker out of... You know, she essentially cracks, uh, you know, descends into madness at losing her son. So it's all about them having to, you know, reset the timeline, but will things be put back to exactly how they were before, that kind of thing. So following the conclusion of Flashpoint, you know, DC cancelled all of its existing titles and it debuted 52 new series in September of that year with brand new number ones. You know, this even extended to action comics and detective comics, you know, these... These had had their original numbering since, you know, their introduction in the 30s. At this point, you know, they were both in the 700s plus. But um, the goal of the New 52 was simple. Bring all of their long-established characters back to basics and essentially ignore decades of established continuity and wipe the slate clean. It was designed to attract new readers who would have been, you know, put off by going into a comic store and told that issue 712 was the start of a new storyline. You know, to say it was controversial would be an understatement, 
but it was a sales success in the beginning. You know, it did attract new readers and of course older readers or people who were set in their ways with collecting wanted to see what it was all about. So over time, readers yearned though for that continuity, you know, from before the new 52 launched, something DC would address when the when the new 52 ended and rebirth began, but that's a story for later. But without a doubt, you know, the crown jewel, for me anyway, of the new 52 lineup was Batman. You know, there were other great titles as well. I thought Flash was excellent. I thought Green Arrow was very good. I thought that I Vampire was wonderful. I enjoyed Swamp Thing. I enjoyed Animal Man. But Batman was was the pinnacle of it, for me anyway. Uh, Scott Snyder had just come off a critically acclaimed run on Detective Comics with his Black Mirror storyline, and he was given the keys to the main title. He'd be joined by industry veteran Greg Capullo, who was best known for runs on things like Spawn and Haunt. Now, there was actually a worry from Schneider in the beginning that these two wouldn't get on. You know, Schneider, by his own admission, likes to overwrite, and Capullo doesn't like to be given too much instruction. He likes to have a little bit of freedom with the art. But these two get on like a house on fire, and, you know, together they made absolute magic. So, their first story arc is The Court of Owls, which ran from issue 1 to issue 7. It's no surprise that this title should show up here as its primary goal, you know, it was to attract new readers. You know, Schneider was very clever as he constructed a brand new um, slew of villains, the Court of Isles. They were a secret society who had been pulling the strings in Gotham for over a century. They existed only in, st in stories designed to scare children and no one, not even Batman, believed they were real. But what they did in even the first couple of pages of Court of Isles that was so good was there was a breakout at Arkham. And they instantly showed you characters who, if you had a passing knowledge even of Batman, that you would recognize. You know, Two-Face was there, Killer Croc was there, Poison Ivy was there, Penguin was there, Joker was there. But then they introduced this new villain, you know. And as I say, Batman didn't believe that the Court of Owls were real, but suffice to say, he gets his wake-up call. You know, and, and again, I can't say it enough, this was such a clever move as it didn't matter whether you were a seasoned reader or this was your first comic book, you knew the same amount about these characters. In fact, because Batman does not initially believe in their existence, you as the reader are learning about them at the same time he is. So, the Court of Owls storyline, it introduces a confident Batman. He, you know, he has the Bat family around him, he knows every inch of his city, or, well, so he thinks... And he has a grand plan for rebuilding Gotham using his vast resources. So this is as much as it's a Bruce Wayne story as well as a Batman one. And it's these plans that Bruce has for redeveloping the city, knocking down old buildings, rebuilding new ones. This is what essentially, you know, stirs the Court of Owls out of hiding because they've been hiding in these buildings that have been in Gotham for centuries. You know, they've been hiding in between the floors, that kind of thing. It's a real horror based story as well, which is really cool. But what I really like about this as well is it, it's a Batman who's a master detective. You know, some Batman stories, they get wrapped up in the idea of Batman as a superhero who hangs out with the Justice League and, you know, can help them and staving off interplanetary threats. This Batman's simply concerned with Gotham. You know, he's trying to keep the peace in the streets. You know, this is very much street-level Batman. And, and for us, you know, this is when the character's at his best. You know, it's, it's not to say that Batman can't thrive in those other stories. You know, not at all, but... It's just this reviewer's opinion that he's at his best when he's solving crimes that have the GCPD stumped and he's fighting off threats from his varied rogues gallery. I can't recommend Court of Owls highly enough. You know, there is a, a complete other podcast on it. We did review it for a book club and that was just essentially me just spewing wonder for an hour long and I probably could have went on for longer than an hour, but there's it does go into much more depth than that one, so I won't, I won't chat too much more about it here, but... 
you know, can't recommend it highly enough. It's intelligent. It's thrilling. It's very suspenseful as well. You know, as I say, Schneider was coming from horror roots. He had a series on the go at this point called American Vampire, and he was a real lover in horror. And, you know, even the character of Batman being a creature of the night, he was able to bring some of that horror into it. You know, Capullo and Schneider, they pull off inventive action sequences, interesting tech that aid Batman that only someone with his knowledge and resources could think of and fund. And they're very playful with this run as well. You know, there's a great part in issue five, and I've told this story a million times, but it's just so, so clever in terms of engaging the reader and making the reader an active participant. But there's a part in issue five that Batman gets trapped in a maze of the Court of Owls design and he can't get out and... You know, he's starting to lose his wits. He hasn't had any water. He's been trapped in there for days. He can't see sunlight. He doesn't know what the time is. And there's a part where the artwork starts to turn on its side. And then you have to turn the comic upside down. And, you know, it's all in different directions. And Schneider tells the story very well of how when they first got their comp copies, he phoned up Capullo in an, in an absolute rage, saying, man, they, they screwed up our title, they, they're printing it upside down, this is a disgrace, this is a premium title. And, you know, Capullo told him, you know, just calm down, Scott, and read it in the context of the story. You know, this this was an idea that uh, Capullo had himself and just put it in, but it showed why these two worked so well together. And then Scott Snyder read it and had to twist the comic, and it, it almost made the, the reader a participant, as I say. So, yeah, just really inventive, really interesting. So, Court of Owls, this is the kickoff to a wonderful run by these guys. It lasted 52 issues, which was how, how long a lot of the new 52 lasted. It is collected in the single issues, or there's 10 trade paperbacks slash hardcovers. Court of Owls is definitely their masterpiece, for me anyway. There are other great runs in this, um, other great storylines in this run. Death of the Family's fantastic. Endgame's very good. Zero Year has its high points. Uh, there's a great story towards the end called Bloom, which is very horror-based. But Court of Owls is definitely their high point, uh, although the rest of the run is very good. So, so yeah, same again. Available in single issues if you can backtrace them. We have a, a selection of them in store. We don't have them all, but we do have certain ones if you're looking to build up a collection of them. Or also Court of Owls is collected in trade paperback. As I say, there's 10 of them. There's also 10 hardcover editions, or if it comes to Court of Owls, although the rest of the run is not collected in, in this format, Court of Owls does have an absolute edition, which again, of course I have, because that artwork blown up is just stunning. So uh, so yeah, that's number two. So number one, Batman Year One. Number two, The Court of Owls. Number three, as a starting point, I'm going to recommend Batman I Am Gotham. This is the first uh, run uh, the first story arc, I should say, from Tom Keane's run. So Tom Keane on writing duties. You've got David Finch as the artist, for this arc anyway, and colours by Jordi Belair. So I mentioned Rebirth earlier. Uh, Rebirth is what spun out of the New 52. So Rebirth it was a 2016 relaunch from DC of its entire line of ongoing monthly superhero comics. Using the end of the New 52 initiative in May 2016 as its launching point, Rebirth restored the DC Universe to a form much like that prior to Flashpoint. You know, it, it was still able to uh, incorporate numerous elements of the New 52, including some of its continuity. You know, it, it's not like the New 52 didn't happen or they were ignoring that, but they were bringing back the decades-long worth of continuity from before. 
So this was music to the ears of long-time collectors, you know. They no longer had to ignore all that continuity, but they were actually able to welcome back so many facets of the characters they enjoyed so much, you know. It it also gave new readers, so readers who had jumped on the new 52 as well, if they were continuing with comics at this time, it also gave them a chance to learn more about each character's past. So it was sort of win-win. The, the new 52 had went on for, you know, four or five years, they had managed to bring in new readers and now they were able to say to these readers, you enjoyed the new 52? Well, here's all this history as well. So for Batman, Schneider and Capullo had been on the title the whole way through the new 52, but they stepped aside and in came Tom Keane and David Finch. So Tom Keane at this time, he was mostly known for co-writing Grayson, which was a, a new take on Dick Grayson, but him as a super spy, that was something that spun out of Forever Evil, where Dick Grayson had his, his identity revealed to the world. Uh, so he co-wrote Grayson with Tim Seeley. He also wrote a 12-issue maxi-series called The Omega Men, and he was about five issues in when Batman launched, I think, of The Sheriff of Babylon which was a 12-issue maxi-series with uh, Mitch Gerrads, who would become a long-term collaborator with uh, Tom Keane from here. David Finch, he was, you know, an industry veteran. He's drawn every character under the sun for both Marvel and DC. You know, he's, pardon me, he's drawn the X-Men, he's drawn Spider-Man, he's drawn the Avengers, he's, you know, drawn Superman. He's, he's drew everybody, basically Justice League. He did Forever Evil. He was the main artist on it. You know, this wasn't his first time drawing Batman. He had drawn The Dark Knight for the New 52, for example. That kind of thing. And I always like to say that if you want to compare Snyder to Keane, you know, to, you know, compare their styles, it's like comparing blockbuster cinema, which is Snyder, to independent cinema, which would be Keane. You know, Snyder's style, it's more immediate. You know, he establishes clear stakes, writes great set pieces, and he has big ideas. Keane... King's a little more methodical, you know, slow burning, and he likes giving the readers pieces of the puzzle at his own pace, asking them to assemble the puzzle as they go along. And this style continued with Batman. You know, if if I had to answer very simply what his run is about, and it is a very long run, you know, this this is a starting point, but be prepared to be in it for the long run. This Tom Keane runs 85 issues long, or it's more than 12 trade paperbacks already, and we're we're still waiting at this point for the last one to come out, which is the end of the City of Bain art. But what his run is about, it's all about Bruce's life beyond the Kyle. You know, what if other people were around to take over from Batman? You know, could could he have a happy life just as Bruce Wayne? You know, with all this experience as Batman behind him? Or is Batman so ingrained into his psyche that he'll never be able to leave it behind? Keane's run, it begins with I Am Gotham, the first story arc. So Batman's Gotham's greatest protector, you know, but there's... There's two new heroes in town, a pair of masked metahumans, and they have the powers of Superman. You know, they can fly, they have super strength, and they call themselves Gotham and Gotham Girl. They've saved Batman's life at the very start, and they see him as their inspiration. They want, they just want to fight alongside him and clean up Gotham together. You know, but even at this point, Batman's questioning himself. You know, if Gotham has these protectors who can fly and, you know, have these feats of super strength and can get from one side of the city to the other in an instant, you know, what, what good is a man, you know? So it, it's all about jumping into his psyche and, and seeing, like, what is his worth to Gotham? Because, you know, what happens if these new Guardians go bad? You know, what if they blame Batman for the darkness that threatens to drown their city and they start to see Batman as a threat that they need to eliminate? Uh, you know, I Am Gotham, it, it's a great starting point for Batman if you're a fan of long-form storytelling. There are moments in the early issues that get paid off much further down the line. I mean, 
I read all the single issues as they came out, and there was there was things getting paid off in issue seventy three that were first mentioned in issue six. You know, it it really is one large run, and it's told with skill, with heart, and with intrigue. You know, although it's not a massive part of the first story arc, I'm Gotham, which I'm I'm obviously recommending as as a starting point. At the center of Keane's run is the romance between Batman and Catwoman. You know, can they still be their alter egos and live a happy life as Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle? You know, in Keane's run, Batman's tested physically, emotionally, mentally. I mean, he's really run through the ringer on so many ways. You know, he there's allies who are close to him that are damaged or harmed or killed or... You know, he, he goes through so much in it, and, and this run, it incorporates every villain from his rogues gallery. You know, there's great story arcs in here further down the line, like War of Jokes and Riddles. There's, you know, the wedding storyline. There's a great storyline with uh, Mr. Freeze and Bruce Wayne having to be on a jury to convict him. There's Penguin stuff. But, you know, the driving force behind it all might surprise you, and Keane actually utilizes a villain who was ripe for reinvention as you know a great foe for batman finch's art is also exceptionally easy in the eye you know finch has always specialized in large and life characters you know they're always very big and burly and muscly or if they're female characters you know very curvaceous and very beautiful uh but he's he's equally comfortable certainly in this batman run with you know nine panel pages or big splash pages you know but his art is beautiful to behold and you know it is beautifully brought to life by Jordy Belair's colors as well so, as I say, if it comes to a starting point recommendation with this run, you know, settle in for a long ride with this, you know, but again, having read it issue to issue, and I've actually read it since in the collected editions, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that this is one of the great Batman runs, and this will be dissected and discussed for years to come, you know, there were people who weren't fans of this run, you know, I think Schneider's more of a crowd pleaser, you know, Schneider... I haven't met anybody who doesn't like Court of Owls. I have met people who haven't liked Tom King's run, or maybe don't hold it in as high as regard as myself. But given Batman is my personal favorite character in the comic book world, I adored his run, and this is the starting point for it. You know, I I did have to be convinced a little bit. I will be honest. I am Gotham. It's not the strongest arc in this in the long run, the way that Court of Owls was with Schneider. But it is a very good starting point and the story only gets better from there. And if you're willing to invest in it deeply and take your time over and pour over details, it will reward you big time. Uh, so as I say, he came to an end with his 85 issues and he's currently prepping a 12-issue maxi series called Batman Catwoman with Clay Man on art. And that is something we're really looking forward to as well. So... Yep, that Batman Run Rebirth, it's available in single issues. Again, we have a certain selection of them in the store. We don't have complete runs, but we do have a good a good chunk of them. But it's also available in those trade paperback forms. And for this Batman Run, they actually do, uh, for any Rebirth title actually, they do what are called Rebirth Deluxe Editions. And these are hardcover collections and they tend to incorporate in two trade paperback worth of material into one book. Uh, those are the ones I collect personally, simply because... Absolute editions don't exist of this run just yet, but keep those finger crossed for some point. Uh, yeah, so there you have it. So that is my recommendations for starting points for Batman. Uh, I did say that they weren't necessarily my favorite Batman stories, like at the absolute top of the tree, but they're starting points. You know, these these are great introductions to the world of Batman, you know, that. but there's so much richness and depth there. 
you know, there's Arkham Asylum further down the line for you to enjoy. There's Long Halloween, there's Hush, there's Black Mirror, there's Killing Joke, there's Grant Morrison's run, you know, Batman. There's so much stuff there to enjoy. But that is where I would start. Year One, Court of Owls, and the Tom King run. So I hope you've enjoyed this, guys. I hope it proves a useful resource for you. Uh, I am working, as I say, with Keith and Roddy for them to, for the, to do their own ones. And I'm certainly going to be back with some more DC characters soon. In the meantime, stay safe out there, and we'll chat to you soon.